Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. All right, well, if you have your Bible, turn to Numbers chapter 3. Numbers chapter 3, that's going to be way to the left. If you have an old school physical Bible like I do, if you're in your tablet, then it's going to be at the top, <laughs> really close to the top. Numbers chapter 3. We, we started uh, last week and we talked about that this is the year of re, R-E. We gave you the definition for re, it means again or anew, it means back, it's a prefix, meaning again or again and again, it includes repetition. And in order to focus on re, which is what we believe God wants us to focus on in this year, each month of 2021, we'll have a word that we learn about, that we study, that we pray through, um, that begins with re, that, that we'll look at and, and study. So this month in January, the word is redeem. Redeem is the word this month. We've never done this this way here at, at Faith for Life, but throughout the month of January, we're going to be uh, learning about, studying what, what redeem means, what, how it applies to us, and what our role is. I'd encourage you to go to the YouVersion Bible app, go to the little three, three little lines, probably at the bottom somewhere, hit those, or maybe it says more, go to events, you'll see Faith for Life there. Look at those notes, because with this amount of time, I can promise you I'm not going to get anywhere near <laughs> through all of this. Um, so that just gives you more to study and more to, to grow and to learn from. Um, before I get to Numbers chapter 3, uh, I, was, I was preparing for this. And y'all know, you got to know a little sports to get everything here, right? So I'm, I'm going I'm to set this up with a sports story. Maybe that many of you all know or at least heard a little bit about. 1988, it's because we're in Austin, so you might get this. 1988. Herschel Walker was the best player on the Dallas Cowboys. He had over 2,000 yards in 1998, but they were terrible. They were horrible. They, I think they were one in 15. Their head coach was Jimmy Johnson. And so Jimmy Johnson realizes that he needs more than just Herschel Walker for their team to win. So he, he gets into trade negotiations with a couple teams, ends up trading Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings. And this is what many people consider to be the biggest blockbuster trade in sports history. There were 18 players involved in this trade. Essentially, Dallas was like, hey, we'll give you our best player, the best that we have, in return for a whole bunch of other people, a whole bunch of draft picks, a whole bunch of other players, right? And so Jimmy Johnson thought that it would have been best for them to give up their very best in order to get back these players, and he was right. Dallas Cowboys ended up winning three Super Bowls in the, in the 1990s. I don't know if I, I'm comfortable with my Falcons going that direction. But Jimmy Johnson did it and, it, and it worked. And it was the biggest blockbuster trade in sports history. This morning, we're going to talk really quickly about the biggest blockbuster trade in human history. In, in Numbers chapter 3, um, you may or may not have ever actually read this. <laughs> If you've, if you've ever seen my Bible, usually there's a lot of writing and, and notes and stuff. When you get to Numbers chapter 3, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty clean. Um, 
<laughs> not, not, not a whole lot uh, written here and there. And I was studying this. There's not like a whole lot of commentary and a whole lot of uh, thoughts and, and about all this. Because when you get into these, especially Numbers, Leviticus, these kind of things, it, it's very difficult to follow along and figure out how this applies to us. So stay with me and, and we'll learn this this morning. If you actually went back to verse 40, we won't for time's sake, but God begins to speak to Moses and he tells him to go and name and number all the firstborn males of Israel. And, um, and, and then he says, all right, you've done that. Now you're going to take the Levites instead of the firstborn. Um, and so Moses does what God tells him to do. And he gives the numbers of how many were there. In verse 44, it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel, over and above of the male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head. You shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras, and give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are over. And then if you finish this chapter, Moses goes on and he actually um, does what God tells him to do. So here, we have God giving Moses these instructions concerning the Levites. The Levites were a people of the 12 tribes of Israel, from uh, specifically from Levi, and they were given special assignments in the temple, in the church services, if you will. The Levites had all kind of assignments. Like they sang, they, they maintained the temple, they, they helped build the temple. They had all these different um, assignments, but they were essentially like set apart for these special assignments that had to do with God and his temple and his people gathering. So God tells Moses to take the Levites for himself. He says, I'm the Lord. I'm choosing the Levites instead of the firstborn Israelites and their cattle. And, and God is, is giving the Levites these special assignments to stand in the place of the firstborn male children of Israel. He's essentially substituting the Levites for the firstborn. Now, um, the problem here is this needs to be a one-on-one -on -one trade. This needs to be a one-on-one -on -one substitution. So this needs to be like Herschel Walker for your best running back, right? Like this needs to be one-on-one. -on -one. But there were 273 more firstborn Israelites than there were Levites. So God has this gap where he can't trade person for person. This substitution, this trade, uh, it, it had this gap and there needed to be a solution. God had a problem here because otherwise this doesn't work. So in this instance, God solves this problem through a payment. He tells Moses to pay five shekels per head. And this was outlined in Leviticus chapter 27 where they <laughs> essentially said like, hey, if you're this old, you're worth five shekels. You can be bought for five shekels. And shekels, uh, um, uh, there's different kind of shekels, and the shekel is just a weight measurement. And so, again, go to the U version. I, I put a lot more about this in the notes. But um, if you took a, a sanctuary shekel of gold, again, a shekel is a, a measurement unit, right? It would be worth a little over $550 today in today's money. So God tells Moses to pay $2,750 of today's money per person for the 273 persons. This works out, trust my math, to over 
right? So, so God's like, I want the Levites instead of the firstborn. And we can trade them out, but there's a gap. So we got to go above and beyond. And it's five shekels ahead. So I'm willing to pay $750,000 to have the Levites be my people on special assignment serving me. And I'm willing to do that. Moses, go ahead, make it happen. This is a massive trade. This is a blockbuster trade. And God is willing to pay this price in order to make the Levites his own. He so desperately wanted the Levites to be in the position to serve him that he was willing to pay the price. He was willing to pay the cost. He, 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 he was so willing to give up the shekels, to give up the, the money of that time in order to have the people that it wasn't even a second thought to him or to Moses. This is a description of the exchange of currency for people that we read about here is a redemption story. It's a, it's a trade, if you will. It's this blockbuster trade. And, and it's God saying, I'm willing to redeem these people even at a cost. And y'all know that God's not just talking about the Levites, right? He's, he's talking about us. Like God so desperately wants us to be his people and to serve him that he's willing to pay whatever the cost may be. And he's happy to pay whatever the cost may be. He's happy to redeem us, to buy us back, to purchase us, to ransom us. He, he, he's saying, listen, it's gonna cost me to have you but I have the money and I'm willing to pay it. And man, that's, that's good news, right? Because, because it's one thing for God to want us but not have the money to buy us. It's one thing for God to want us and have the money but, but not be willing to, to, to purchase us, right? Like, I love it, especially with my two oldest. Like, they, they have no idea how much money we have and they really don't have any concept of what rich is. So, so they think if you have $1,000, then you are just rich. And, and so I love this because it's kind of fun and it's just not for them to know, like whatever we have or don't have. So, but it's also like, it's really fun. So, so like we'll have these conversations and they'll be like, Dad, could we buy uh, like a $100 toy? Like, could we buy that right, right now? Like, buddy, do you think we could buy it? Yeah, dad, I think we could buy it. I think we're rich. And I'm like, okay. So dad, can I have that $100 toy? Nope. No, dad, do we have enough money to buy the new Xbox? Like, it's like $400. Like, buddy, do you think we have enough? Yeah, dad, I think we got enough. I think we're rich. Yeah, okay. Can I buy that? Nope. And they know, they know, like, they don't know how much we have, but they know whatever we have or don't have has no bearing on what we're actually going to buy, <laughs> right? Like, they know, like, okay, I, I, like, they, my kids, they might be saying, like, I might even have this amount in my bank account that dad set up for me, but that don't mean I can use it. That don't mean I will use it. And, and here, God is saying, listen, $750,000 for group, that's nothing. Million dollars, that's nothing. Do we, do we have it? Yes. Is he rich? Yes. But the question is, is he willing to pay? Is he willing to buy us, to buy us back, to redeem us? 
And the answer unequivocally for the Levites in Numbers from Genesis to Revelation is yes. It's yes, it's absolute. But biblically, it wasn't always this easy to, uh, to, to get redemption, to redeem people. Um, turn over to Galatians chapter four. Let me read to you a few verses in Galatians chapter four, uh, beginning in verse four. Galatians chapter four, verse four says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to, here's why, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Mm. See, this is good because it's not just God purchasing us or buying us back or purchasing a group of people that we call ourselves Christians like he did the Levites. But here, Paul is telling the, the people in Galatia something that they would have been very familiar with, that you are no longer a slave. The purchase, the ransom is not just for us and we were good and now he makes us better. The purchase for us is we were enslaved and now we're free. See, see, see the, the, the price to be paid is even greater because the stakes were even higher than we might have realized. See, we just thought we were a good person and then we gave our life to Jesus and he made us a better person. I must not say y'all, me. Uh, Y'all heard me say before, like, I, I, before I gave my life to Jesus, I feel like I was a pretty good person. Was I perfect? No. Did I cuss a lot? Yes. Did I have other issues? Like, I like to gamble and I, I, I like women? Yes. But did I hurt anybody? No. Did I cheat and steal and lie? No. And did I, did I do good by people? Yes. I would have been like, I'm a good person. And Jesus paid the price for me and I gave my life to him and he just made me a better person. But that is a lie. That is something that we believe, but it's not true. What, what is actually true is no matter how good you thought you were, how bad you thought you were, you were a slave to sin. You were entrapped by sin. It controlled you. It consumed you. The only time that it didn't is when it lied to you and told you that it wasn't trapping you and wasn't consuming you. But in every waking moment, you were enslaved to sin. Sin had you in bondage. It had you working for no pay. It took advantage of you. It beat you up and tore you down, stole from you, killed, destroyed, whatever it could. And here, Paul is telling the people in Galatia, he's telling us that we were this people that were enslaved, but we have been redeemed. We have been purchased. We have been bought back again. He sends Jesus as his payment, which is far greater than $750,000 which is far greater than any amount of money that could have uh, ever been produced here on the earth. 
In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it tells us that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we're not just bought to go to heaven. We're redeemed. We are bought again to, to not have to experience the curse of the law. We don't have time, but in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I believe it begins in verse 15 on for maybe 15 or 16 other verses after that, it, tell, it lays out the curse of the law to you. So the curse of the law are things like poverty, things like sickness, uh, th things like division and confusion and all these things. They, they came into the earth because of sin and therefore they are the curse and Jesus, we're, he, he's like, you were enslaved to sin. You were subject to the results of the curse of the law. But Jesus comes and he buys us back. He pays the price that we may be free. There, there's probably a better picture of this in Titus chapter 2. Let me read to you a few verses beginning in verse 11. And I'm almost done. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Man, I just got to pause right there. How much better would the body of Christ be today with everything going on in our country if we renounced ungodliness and worldly passions? Part of the problem is, maybe, maybe in this room, maybe not in this room, even when I say that, different Christians are thinking of different things. <laughs> Do we really think God is thinking of different things? Do you really think God is confused about Democrat or Republican? Do you really think God is a Democrat or a Republican? Training, up, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. If we just renounce worldly passions, <laughs> if we just started there, we could be passionate about righteousness and the things that God stands for without connecting ourselves and being passionate against other people, against other groups of people. It's not, that's free, that's not in the message, that's not in the notes. And to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, the Greek word here for redeem, um, it means to ransom. Paul actually takes this Greek word and it's a secular word that was used really in the in, uh, in, in terminology of slavery and slave markets. So, they would have this slave market, which was absolutely horrific. And what they would do is they would bring slaves in and they would, they would literally stand them up on these blocks and they would line them up um, almost like a showroom. And, and people who were going to buy these slaves, they would come in and they would get to evaluate these slaves and get to look at them and, and determine which ones they wanted to purchase. I know this is absolutely horrific. The, uh, if that wasn't bad enough, what the, the people who were going to buy the slaves, what they would do is they would say, like, listen, in, at my home, at my farm, in my land, whatever, like, it's going to be tough. So you got to be physically tough. I need to see if you're physically tough. But also, I get to treat you however I want. 
So I need to make sure you can handle and you're not going to rebel against whatever may come your way. So literally they would line up these slaves on blocks and these people would walk in trying to test these people to purchase them. Not just looking to see if they're strong and making sure everything works, but they would spit on them to see how they'd respond. They'd call them names to see how they'd respond. They would even punch them multiple times to see how they would respond. Because once they got home, the slave master could do whatever they wanted to them. And the slave master needed to know that this slave was gonna be able to handle it, was gonna be able to cut it. This is a picture of us. See, we were slaves to sin. And sin brings us into the slave market and puts us on this block and stands us there. And it calls us names. It spits on us, punches us repeatedly. And if we can take it, we just get more of it and more of it and more of it. But see, the good news is Jesus comes into this slave market with all the money in the world as the wealthiest slave purchaser in the history of slave purchasers. I don't even know if that's actually words, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like Jesus comes in and he comes in and he doesn't spit on us. He doesn't talk down to us. He doesn't beat us up. He says, you know what? I want this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. I want all of them. And he comes in and he pays the price for every single one of us that are stood up on those blocks in slave markets. And now he owns us and he gets to take us home. In, in Roman culture in this time, there were uh, people that were called freedmen and freedmen were people who used to be slaves and someone else purchased them. And that person who purchased them didn't take them home and put them to work and beat them and do all those things. What that person did was that person purchased them so that then they could release them and let them be free. And once you were a freedman, you never had to be a slave again. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. It is exactly that. He comes into the slave market. He pays the price for each and every one of us. And then instead of taking us back to some field to work us and beat us and demean us, he frees us to live a life redeemed, to live a life purchased, to live a life of righteousness, to live a life of freedom. And now we are freed men, and we never have to be a slave again. We never have to find ourselves on that sin block, getting beaten and punched and spit on and mocked. And the reason that we never have to find ourselves on that sin block is because Jesus allowed himself to go to that cross where he was spit on and he was mocked and he was beaten and his blood paid the price to come in and empty out the slave markets of this world. Now, you all at various levels, I'm sure that you've, you've known this, you know this. You know the story of the gospel, you know how 
God loved you and he saved you on the cross, you, you understand this. I, I wanna share a few more verses with you and I'm gonna wrap this up together. Ephesians 1, verse seven through 10, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You know the story that Jesus has bought us and, 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 and he's redeemed us. But I wanna point out that he did this lavishly like he did this abundantly. We need to remind ourselves, don't lose the foundation, don't lose the principles of salvation and what it means, because we will live differently if we know that we've been bought, we know that we've been redeemed, we know that we've been freed. We will live differently, we know we don't have to keep going back to that sin, going back to that weight, going back to that toxic relationship, going back to that hate, going back, we don't, we don't have to be there. We've been freed from that. And we have to understand that. But here, we're told, Paul says, as a plan for the fullness of time, God wants to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. He wants to redeem not just us, he wants to redeem our relationships. He wants to redeem our work. He wants to redeem our purposes. He wants to redeem our legacy. He wants to redeem our land. He wants to redeem our education even. He wants to redeem everything that this world has to offer, everything of the earth and everything in the earth for his glory, for his kingdom. He's done his part for all of us and everything to be free. He's told us whom the Son sets free is free indeed. See, God has made the ultimate blockbuster trade. He gave up his very best, way better than Herschel Walker, <laughs> in Jesus in order to get back all of us. We need to remember that, not just as something we know in our head, but something that we live out of our heart. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.